Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the 16th chapter of St. John, the 23rd verse. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, you also, friends, who are listening by means of the radio. It is nice, isn't it, being in God's house this morning, and it is nice, radio audience, to have you worshiping with us also this day. As you know, this is the fifth Sunday after Easter, five weeks since we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. And if you glance at your church calendar for today, you also saw this Sunday has the name Rogate Sunday. You may have wondered what that means. Rogate is a Latin word. It means pray. It's also called Rogation Sunday. And this Sunday gets that name Rogate because the gospel lesson for this Sunday, the ancient reading that will have been read today in hundreds of thousands of Christian churches in the world, it contains a tremendous, a terrific promise of Jesus as regards prayer. And that text is also the basis of our sermon this morning. You may say, what is that tremendous, terrific promise that Jesus has made as regards prayer? This is it. Jesus has said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Verily, I say to you, Jesus says. In other words, he says, you can base your life on this. You can stake your eternal destiny on this promise as regards prayer. Verily, truthfully, I tell you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father, Jesus says, this is the promise, whatever you ask your heavenly Father, I don't care what it is, the sky is the limit, I don't care how small your request is or how large your request is, I don't care how possible your request is or how impossible your request is, whatever barring nothing, whatever you ask your heavenly Father, Jesus says, it shall be given you. You will receive that very thing, provided you ask your heavenly Father in my name, provided you tell him, give it to me, heavenly Father, because of Jesus, because of him, your Jesum Christi, that you ask it because of me, on account of me, if you will do that, you can stake your life on this promise as regards prayer, that whatever you ask, the sky is the limit, you will get exactly what you ask, if you will just ask it because of me in my name. You and I may say today on Rogati Sunday, that's a tremendous, terrific promise if there ever was one. We may say it's almost too good to be true. 
And we may say to ourselves, does Christ mean to say that I can stake my life on that, that I can believe that with my whole heart, that regardless of what happens, that I need never disavow that promise, that whatever, regardless of what it is that I ask, that I'm going to get it, if I ask it because of him, on behalf of his name, because of his worthiness, and we may say to ourselves, that's hard to believe that I can hold that through thick and thin because we may say, where's there any connection between asking it because of Jesus and the Father's willingness to give me anything that I ask for? We may say, I fail to see a connection. We may say to ourselves, is the name of Jesus so tremendous? Is it so wonderful that it does move God that when I ask God anything, that God says, I'll give it to you if you ask it in the name of Jesus, because of Jesus, on his behalf, is it possible that God the Father is obligated to Jesus, that he must give me everything I ask for when I ask it in the name of Jesus? And you and I ought to know this today, that when Jesus says you can stake your life on this, I tell you that barring nothing, the sky is the limit, whatever you ask the Father, you will receive if you ask it in my name. And all because of this, God the Father is hopelessly and gloriously obligated to Jesus. He is eternally obligated. He owes Jesus such a debt. He is absolutely indebted to him to such a point that it's the joy of our Father's existence to give you and me everything that we ask. You may say this morning, you say, preacher, that Jesus, what he has done has made the Father so gloriously obligated to him that God can do nothing less than when we ask God for anything in the name of Jesus that God will give it to us that God is that obligated to Jesus of Nazareth. That's right. You may say, what did Jesus ever do? The stranger of Galilee to obligate God our Father to such an extent, so gloriously obligating him, so gloriously making God feel that he owes Jesus this, that whenever you and I call in prayer, that whatever it is, even though the sky is the limit, that we'll get what we ask for because we ask it on the basis of Jesus' name. Why Jesus has done that which has made God the Father his debtor eternally and gloriously. You may say, what has he done? Well, in the first place, let's know this, that Jesus has paid in full to the Heavenly Father for our salvation. You talk about Jesus of Nazareth putting the Father under obligation to him. Let's bear in mind, oh yes, Jesus of Nazareth was God's son, but look what he did for us. And he paid in full for your salvation and mine to the Heavenly Father. He was God's son, to be sure, that came out of the ivory palaces. He became a human being, and he went to the cross. And what did he do at Calvary? When you and I begin to understand the cross, then we say this to ourselves, that he paid in full for our salvation. He took to himself your guilt and mine and your punishment and mine, not only for our birth sin, our original sin, 
but he took the guilt and punishment for every thought, word, and deed that you and I will ever do in our lives. And he took the guilt and punishment not only for you and me, but for all men of all generations of all time. And on the cross he paid in full for your release and mine from eternal damnation and eternal hell. He died on the cross and bore in his own body the equal of an eternity in hell for you and me and paid in full for our salvation. He rescued you and me from sin. He rescued you and me from eternal consequences of sin. He rescued you and me for the safety of heaven. And in that sacrifice, he obligated God the Father tremendously to him because Jesus bore a 100% righteousness. All righteousness that you and I need for forgiveness for life and salvation. And because God the Father is so obligated and under obligation to Jesus, Therefore, Christ says to you and me today, you can't stake your life on this promise that when you ask the Father, whatever you ask Him, you're going to get it because if you ask it in Jesus' name, God the Father is so obligated to Christ that it's the delight of His existence on the basis of Jesus to grant you and me every spiritual blessing that we ask for. Bringing it down in your life and mind, what does this mean? It means this, friend, that whenever you and I turn to our Heavenly Father and we say, Heavenly Father, forgive me my sins, take away my guilt and my punishment in the name of Jesus or because of Jesus, God the Father says to you and me, because you have asked me to do it in the name of Jesus because of him and because I am so gloriously obligated to him that he paid in full for your redemption, there is nothing I would rather do. Therefore, I pardon your sins. I wash your soul whiter than snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And God says, I delight, that's the joy of my existence, to give you every spiritual blessing that you ask me for. When you ask it because of Jesus, because Jesus paid me in full. And if I would fail, therefore, to give you every blessing when you ask it in his name, I would cease to be God. Oh, the joy. That means that you and I can stand before Christ and say, I know that I'm a sinner, but on the basis of Jesus, Heavenly Father, deliver me from the eternal punishment of my sin. Give me the assurance of eternal life. And it's the delight of your Heavenly Father and mine to say, because you've asked it in the name of Jesus, because you've asked me to do it because of him, and I am so eternally obligated to him, it is the joy of my existence to grant you eternal life and everlasting salvation. You and I can come to the Heavenly Father. It doesn't matter how great a blessing we ask, spiritually speaking. We can say, God, as in the Lord's Prayer, give me the strength that I may keep your name holy in my life, that I may live, that men may know that you're a holy God, and God, for Jesus' sake, says, I gladly give you that spiritual strength. And you and I can say, God, give me the courage that I can speak to others about the kingdom of Jesus, that others may be brought into the kingdom. And for Christ's sake, God gives you and me that courage. He again gives you and me the courage when we ask him that we might do his will on earth as the angels do it in heaven, that we might have strength and spiritual stability. And God delights when we say, give it to me because of Jesus. 
since Jesus paid the debt in full to the Heavenly Father, it's the joy of his life to grant you and me that strength. We pray, O oh, lead us not into temptation. And God says, I'll give you every strength that no temptation shall ever be great enough to cause you to lose Christ in eternal life. I give you that strength for Jesus' sake. And we say, deliver me from the evil one. And God delivers you and me from the evil one, from Satan, for the simple reason that, again, he gives you and me every spiritual blessing when we say, for Jesus' sake, because of Jesus, on his account. And he does it because he is so gloriously obligated to Jesus. And on this prayer Sunday, then, we ought to say to ourselves, beginning today, I'm going to believe with all my heart, and I'm going to stake my life on this promise that whatever I ask in prayer, that it matters not what it is. Whatever I ask my Heavenly Father, the sky is the limit, regardless of how great or how small the request, regardless of how impossible or possible it may seem. I know that God the Father is going to give me that when I say, because of Jesus in His name. God is hopelessly, eternally, gloriously indebted and obligated to Jesus, and therefore it's the glory of His existence to grant you and me when we ask in the name of Jesus everything that we ask for. And that ought to mean this in your life and mine this morning, that we ought to be determined never to pray a prayer without the name of Jesus and then never to hesitate to go to our Heavenly Father regardless of how great our sins may be. What about this thing of praying in Jesus' name? Well, sometimes we, we think that those are just words that we say, a magical formula, but oh, they are tremendous. In the Lord's Prayer, they do not occur, and therefore we know this. We ought never to pray a prayer without saying in Jesus' name or because of Jesus or implying it. We don't have to mention the words, but again, we must ever pray in that spirit that we are approaching the Heavenly Father because of Jesus for this reason to deliberately leave out the name of Jesus because some men may want us to do it. Well, that means to leave out the name of him who has opened up the way to the Heavenly Father. There is no prayer heard by God the Father except it comes in the name of Jesus and in his spirit. When you and I deliberately cast out the name of Christ, no man comes therefore to the throne of grace because no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. If you and I are in a group where the name of Jesus is not recognized and we are asked to leave his name out, we're in the wrong group. Because to leave out the name of Jesus deliberately means this, that God doesn't hear when we call and he doesn't answer. But oh, when you and I know that we can stick our lives, that God will give us anything that we ask for, if we ask it because of Jesus, then why should we ever hesitate even though our sin looks so great. Not long ago, I, I met a woman, and she opened up her heart to me, and she said this, that all of her life she has simply been plagued by the fact that the first child after she was married came rather early, and people counted on their fingers, and she seemed so disgraced by it, and it seemed to, again, give in her life just simply a sense of feeling that God wouldn't have anything to do with her. And I said, don't you realize this, that God the Father will grant you every spiritual blessing when you ask it because of Jesus. Jesus died for that sin too. 
He died for any sin that may gnaw at your conscience and mine and at our soul. And I said, if you'd ask God, Heavenly Father, forgive me that sin because of Jesus. Immediately God the Father says, I blotted it out of my mind forever. I remember your sin no more. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be whiter than snow. Though it be red like crimson, it shall be as wool. The delight of God, even though your sin and mine may seem tremendous, when we ask the Heavenly Father, forgive me, because of Jesus, there is no greater delight. God would rather do it than eat, to forgive and to forget and to bring you and me that peace that Jesus speaks about, that our joy may be full, to know that God, because of Jesus, He always hears and answers, regardless of what it is that we have asked for. That's the assurance and the comfort that we have on Rogati Sunday. Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you can stake your life on this, we may say to ourselves, when Jesus says today, the living Christ, through his word, you can stake your life on this or whatever you ask. I don't care the sky is the limit, regardless of how impossible or possible it may be. Whatever you ask the Father, you are going to get it if you will just ask it because of Jesus on his account, in his name. You and I may say, is God the Father so obligated to Jesus that he must? Give me what I ask for when I say, for Jesus' sake and because of Jesus. And the truth is that God is hopelessly obligated to Jesus of Nazareth. God the Father is gloriously obligated. Oh, again, he is so indebted to Jesus for what Jesus has done that it's the joy of his existence that whatever you and I ask in the name of Jesus, God wants to give it and God does give it. You may say, well, how does it come that God is so indebted to Jesus? Not only because of this, that Jesus paid the Father in full for our salvation, but in the second place, let's know this, that Jesus, he fulfilled the will of God perfectly and gladly for us. You know, there are those that say, God would grant us anything Oh, God could never do that because he forced his son to the cross. There are those that say, you preachers with your slaughterhouse religion, you've got a blood religion, you've got a God the Father who forced his son to the cross, and because he forced him, therefore, to die for our sins, it's nothing but a blood religion. It's horrible. It's stomach-turning. But may you and I realize this. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was forced to go. When you and I go back to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, what did he say? He said again, oh, the cross was looming. There was again his death. And he was to bear in his body the sins of the world. It was a tremendous load that you and I can never even fathom. But he prayed, oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, not my will, but thy will be done. He gladly and willingly fulfilled the will of his heavenly Father. He wasn't forced to the cross. And because Jesus went to the cross gladly, because he went voluntarily, because he went willingly, and because he perfectly fulfilled the will of God when he died for your sins and mine on the cross, therefore, let's know this, God is hopelessly obligated to Jesus. God owes Jesus a debt of gratitude that forces God joyously and rejoicingly 
when you and I call upon him in prayer to give us everything that we ask. Because Jesus has fulfilled so perfectly and gladly the will of God for us, therefore when you and I call upon God the Father, whatever we ask for in the name of Jesus we get. You may say, now wait a minute, preacher. I've asked for a lot of things in my life, and I prayed in the name of Jesus, and I've asked God the Father on bended knee to grant me some earthly blessings, and I ask it in the name of Jesus and because of him. And you may say to me, I never got him. You may say there was illness that came to me, and I prayed to God, the Heavenly Father, to give me health, and I asked it for the sake of Jesus, but I didn't get health. You may say in my home there was a loved one that I prayed for to the Heavenly Father and I asked that God might spare his life and I prayed because of Jesus and that person died. You may say, preacher, how can you say that whatever I ask, if I ask it in the name of Jesus because of Jesus that I'm going to get it, may I say to you, friend, you still got what you asked for, didn't you? As a Christian, you and I have the right to tell God what our will is in any matter. And it's true, whenever a loved one is ill, your will and mine is always that they might live. Isn't that right? But as a Christian, we say this to ourselves, that's my will, but do you know whether your will and mine is the best? And when we tell God what our will is, and we pray in the name of Jesus, aren't we saying to God, God, the reason I want my will is because I think it's best. But aren't we also saying, God, if my will isn't the best, I don't want you to sin and do something second best. I don't want you to do something that would be wrong. I still want you to do your will because your will is always best. It's always right. It's always the finest. Isn't that the way you and I pray? And on that basis, that's what Jesus means. Whatsoever you ask with earthly things, regardless of what you and I ask the Heavenly Father, we're going to get it because God is so obligated to Jesus who has fulfilled his will that God says, when you say, God, give me this because of Jesus, God said, I promise you my will will be done and my will is best. God never fails does he? You see, you and I may sometimes send your God and we may say, God didn't hear my prayer even though I asked it because of Jesus. Oh, didn't he? You know, when you go in to see a picture and you happen to hit it in the middle, you and I may say it doesn't make head or tails, doesn't, because you haven't seen the end. And God says this to you and me, and Pike says, you can stake your life on this that when you get to the end of your life, then you will understand and know that what God did was best. God always gives us what we ask because as Christians, whether we realize it or not, we are asking God to do what is best that we've always got. And at the end of life, when you and I look back, one of the joys of gratitude will this that will say to our Heavenly Father, at the time I didn't realize that when I expressed my will to you and I wondered whether yours was better than mine, but now I see it as I look back, your will was best. Jesus says you can stake your life on this promise. Jesus says you can put all your faith and trust 
that whatever you ask the Father, you're going to get. And all because you ask it in the name of Jesus because of him. Oh, God is so hopelessly and delightfully obligated to Jesus that it's the joy of his existence when we ask God for anything because of Jesus that God says, Oh, that's the joy of my life, to give you everything you ask for. And when God's will is done in your life and mine, that's everything that you and I have asked for. Isn't that true? Therefore, we ought to say to ourselves on this Rogati Sunday, on Prayer Sunday, I'm going to believe this statement of Jesus. It's tremendous. I am going to stake my life on this, that whenever I call upon God my Father, whatever I ask him, I don't care how small or how great or how possible or impossible it may be, that I know this, that when I say, give it to me, God, in the name of Jesus, because of Jesus, that you and I must have this conviction that God will give it, regardless of what you and I may ask. And then we'll see to it that in every prayer, We'll either say it or we will always imply it that we'll ask it for Jesus' sake and we'll not hesitate regardless of how hopeless your situation and mine may appear. Sometimes your life and mine with adversity looks rather hopeless, doesn't it? And we say, oh, oh God can't do anything, but Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever, anything that you ask the Father, if you just ask for it in my name, you'll get it. The day of the miracle isn't over. You and I may say they're miracles, but to God it's simply the use of the omnipotence, the power and the wisdom that he has. When life to you and me in your home and mine, when adversity comes and it seems so hopeless, there is no reason to give up hope. Jesus says, believe this with all your heart. You ask the Heavenly Father, and whatever you ask, it's going to be done if you ask it in the name of Jesus. How many of us are alive? Because we turn to a God of omnipotence in the name of Jesus, and it was his will. That means this peace of mind and this joyous comfort that you and I are immortal. It matters not what may come. We are the mortal. Death will never touch us until we have completed our mission in life. That's peace of mind. That comes through prayer. That comes when you and I can believe Jesus when he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that we can stake our lives on it. Oh, on prayer Sunday, the tremendous promise of Jesus, it's breathtaking, isn't it, that Christ says, you can believe this with all your heart. I don't care what you ask, my Heavenly Father. The sky's the limit, how great or how small, or how impossible or how possible it may be. Whatever you ask, you're going to get it. If you will just say, give it to me because of Jesus. Give it to me because of his name. Give it to me on his behalf. And all because why God the Father is so obligated, so in debt to Jesus of Nazareth, that if God on the basis of him wouldn't give you and me everything that we ask him for, God would cease to be God. It's the delight of his life. You say, you mean to tell me that Jesus of Nazareth has obligated God the Father to him, oh, gloriously so? Not only this, that he paid in full for our salvation. Not only this, that Jesus kept perfectly and gladly the will of God for us, but also this, 
And that's why God the Father is eternally obligated to Jesus. Jesus is the one who has given value to all of the Old Testament sacrifices that God ordained and God commanded. You may say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Jeffrey, you say, well, here. If God, again, will hear us and answer us and give us everything we want, only if we pray in the name of Jesus, how about those in the Old Testament before Jesus came into the world? How about those individuals? You know, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I've been speaking to you in veiled sayings, and he said, you haven't asked anything in my name so far, but you will, because now I'm explaining things. How many of us realize that no prayer except in the name of Jesus ever reaches the throne of grace? And in the Old Testament, the reason why the prayers of God's children reached the throne of grace was because of Jesus Christ. You may say, where is there any value in the Old Testament sacrificial system of offering up a lamb or a goat in the shedding of animal blood? You may say, animal blood can't bring about the forgiveness of sins, and you are so right. But bear in mind that every sacrificial sacrifice in the Old Testament, every lamb that was slaughtered, every goat that was slaughtered, pointed to the Lamb of God pointed to Jesus who would come into the world. And therefore, when in the Old Testament they offered up lambs and goats, they did it, what? In the name of the Lamb of God, the Messiah that would come. And therefore, Jesus, when he came, he gave value to every sacrifice that in the Old Testament, whether they realized it or not, they receive from God the Father everything that they ask for because their prayers were asked in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ. Jesus obligated the Father tremendously by giving value to all of the sacrifices. And therefore, let's know this, that God the Father is so gloriously indebted to the Son that it's the joy of his existence when you and I call upon him and we ask whatever we ask for the sake of Jesus that he gives it to us because this has always been true since the beginning of time. Go back into the old How does it come that David with his horrible sins got forgiveness when he turned to the Heavenly Father? Why? Because it was in the name of Jesus the Messiah who would come into the world. Why is it that when Daniel was in the lion's den, he was protected because Daniel prayed? Because Daniel prayed in the light of the Messiah that was to come. How about the three men in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? There again it was because they prayed and in the name again of the Messiah that would come in the name of Christ. God challenges you and me. You name one instant in the word of God where God ever failed when men called upon him in the name of Jesus or because of the Messiah when God didn't fulfill this promise that he gave them what they asked for, the finest the best. That promise stands secure, unbroken, invincible. And that's why today, yes, in this hour, we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to believe this and stake my life on it, that prayer has power, that prayer does something. 
that when I turn to the Heavenly Father, that I will get everything that I ask for, parting nothing, as long as I ask it in the name of Jesus and because of Jesus. And if you and I will believe that, then today, in this hour, we will turn to the Heavenly Father and we will ask Him for strength to remain true to Jesus Christ in this dark hour in world's history. Oh, I know that every generation looks at its world and it says, these are the days which try men's souls. But the other night I took the front page of the Marion Star, and then I took the front page of the Columbus Dispatch, and I just read the headlines. And again, when you do that, it's not only shocking, but it's a fearsome thing. You and I say, when has the world ever been in the fix that it's in today? When has our country ever been so shaky and so rocky as it is today? When we go to put our finger on it, we say, why is this dark hour? Isn't it this, that somehow or other we have lost respect and honor for God and for authority? Each one is going to live for himself. We want to be our own God. We want to do as we please. We're going to get what we want. And we're going to get it regardless of any kind of scruples. And you may say to me, well, what is the answer? What is the answer? I think of Jesus. I walked the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem one day. I went up David Street going to Calvary. And I remember as I walked that road... Jesus carried his cross up the Via Dolorosa. And remember when the women cried and they were feeling sorry for him and he turned to them and he said, women, he says, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children because the days are coming when you shall say to the mountains, fall upon us and to the hills, cover us up. And those days came, didn't they, in the year 70 when Titus and Vespasian surrounded the city of Jerusalem and not one stone was left upon another. I wonder if in this hour, when we are coming apart and in darkness, I wonder whether Jesus isn't saying to America, don't weep for me, but you'd better start weeping for yourselves and for your children. The days are going to come when you're going to pray to the mountains to fall on you and to the hills to cover you. You may say, isn't that a pessimistic view? I know of no other answer for this hour than Jesus Christ. But I also know that there are a hundred million Americans in this country that have no use for him and don't intend to have any use for him. I know that, but I don't look for any wholesale conversion. We are turning away. Church attendance is dropping. Men are turning away from Jesus Christ. It's no longer popular to go to church. Yet I've had men say to me, if you had your ministry to do over again, what would you do differently as regards preaching? And may I say before God and man, I wouldn't change it a bit. I have stood in God's pulpit and I have declared the counsel of God, the glorious blessing that in Christ men's hearts are changed and only in Christ and only as you change men's hearts. Do you change men's lives and do you change nations and do you change the world? Today again we stand and we say to ourselves, can you believe with all your heart that when you call upon God because of Jesus that there will be strength that you and I can bear what seemingly is coming? 
God knows what is coming. It doesn't look good, does it? But oh, he promises this through prayer. God says, I'll give you what you ask for. That we can have strength. That if the day comes that all that you've got left and all that I've got left is Jesus Christ, we can say we are still more than conquerors through him that loved us. I stood in Rome one day on the Appian Way and I walked down the Appian Way and I thought of an incident that tradition tells us that happened on the Appian Way one night. It was the Apostle Peter. He was in Rome. Tradition says that when again the Neronian persecution broke out and they were killing Christians and throwing them in the Colosseum to the lions that Peter began to flee to the city of Rome. And he was going down the Appian Way going to save his life because he was afraid. And in the darkness he was walking down the Appian Way and there was a figure coming towards him on the Appian Road. And as the figure approached him, old Pete Johnson looked and he recognized that face and it was the face of the living Christ. When he saw Jesus, we are told that he said, Quo bodies, Domine, where are you going, Master? And it is said that Jesus looked at Pete Johnson and he said, I'm going to Rome to be crucified again. Then Pete Johnson in weakness, he prayed for strength that he might have a faith that would hold on. He turned around went back the Appian way and went back to Rome. There he was crucified. And when they were ready to nail him to the cross, it is said that Peter said, My Lord was nailed to the cross with his head up. I'm not worthy of that. Crucify me, but put my head down. And tradition says that old Pete Johnson, the old war horse, was crucified upside down. He asked for strength when nothing else was left he still had Christ and I don't know what's coming but thank God for the assurance in prayer Jesus says you can stake your life on this that if you ask the Father for strength to keep you in Jesus Christ regardless of what comes if you lose everything know this if you ask it because of my name you're mighty sure to get it. And then you and I can say as the apostle, for I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's prayer. That's its power. Oh, to God that you and I would have that assurance of it and walk the glory road and think that in this hour but we we've got something sweet hour of prayer sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care that bids me at my father's throne make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Jesus says, you can stake your life on this. Whatever, regardless of what it is, you ask my Father, he will give it to you if you just say, in Jesus' name, because of Jesus, Dorchiesum Christi. Amen.
the peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.